Welcome to Up for Debate, a podcast where our expert panel discusses some of the topical, often debated, and sometimes controversial subjects in healthcare and medicine. Through an open discussion, physicians, nurses, and medical professionals sit down and give their honest perspectives and opinions on healthcare topics we hear about or see in our everyday lives, providing you with easy to digest information on some of the more complex issues. This is Up for Debate. A recent story on NPR presented the fact that in the year 2000, measles was widely declared eliminated from the U.S. after a full year of no transmissions. However, in 2019 alone, over 600 cases have been reported this year. With that number comes an open discussion and sometimes hard to navigate advice and education when it comes to immunizations, infectious diseases, and the vaccination practices of parents for their children. I'm lucky today to be joined by three experts who can help shed some light on this topic and continue the conversation for our listeners. So joining me today is Dr. Amy Pearden, pediatrician from K. Havnanian Children's Hospital, Dr. Julia Piwaz, the Chief Section of Pediatric Infectious Disease at the Joseph M. Sanzari Children's Hospital, and Dr. Jerry Zuckerman, Vice President of Infection Prevention and Control and Infectious Disease Physician, all part of Hackensack Meridian Health. Thank you very much for all joining with me today. Thank Thanks so much us. for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. I'd like to hear your take on the current state of where we find ourselves as far as the measles outbreak and the general role that vaccinations or lack thereof are playing in our present day communities. So I'll start with uh, Dr. Piwaz. So thanks for uh, having me and thanks for that important question. Uh, as an infectious disease doctor, I often find myself living from outbreak to outbreak. There's always something that you hear that we're involved with, usually with unusual viruses like EVD 68 or Zika or chikungunya or Ebola. And those things show up unexpectedly where they previously hadn't been. And we learn about them as we go along trying to figure out how to protect ourselves. But that's not what's going on right now and what's been occupying the media and what we've been seeing. Uh, measles is spreading in many different countries all over the world, including the United States. And states are having larger scale outbreaks that could have been prevented with a health intervention that we've known about for a very long time immunization. Uh, we had the tools to prevent this from happening, um, and we knew how to do it, but now we're in a position of trying to backfill. We're living with daily reports of where cases are being reported, uh, where many of us have gone, places that we go, the supermarket, the mall, you know, the drugstore, and how many of us take for granted that some of those places were safe may not be so for everybody. Now, Dr. Zuckerman, I want to ask you because it seems that we're hearing the term outbreak when it's related to measles. So that kind of, I think a lot of people might have the questions as to why that term is used specifically to, de to describe uh, the current case with measles, but then also are there other infectious diseases or conditions out there that are going on that are just as serious as measles, but they might not be getting that word outbreak. So they might, be, might not be in the public's eye as much. Um, so, you know, outbreak has many different connotations to it, but I think in terms of measles, you had mentioned it earlier, that in 2000, uh, the United States was declared to be measles-free. It does not mean that measles was eradicated from the world, um, but it meant that measles was no longer transmitted from person to person in the U.S. So fast forward to today, and the reason we say this is an outbreak, because now we do have transmission from person to person. So we have, may have a few cases come in from outside the country, 
but overwhelmingly the majority of the cases are from transmission from one person to another within the country. Now, I think a question for everyone on the panel right now is, you know, speaking as someone that has a two-year-old daughter, you know, I'm taking more notice of the word vaccination when it's put out there or measles outbreak. But I'm curious, for the year 2019 or the current state we're in right now, is this one of the more serious years you can remember it being at the topic of everyone's conversation? Um, or is it something where the measles outbreak alone is making this the more prevalent year? Um, it's worrying parents. We have moms that are concerned that they have young babies under a year old who haven't been vaccinated yet, and they're worried about going out. They usually think they're okay to go out after they get their first round of immunizations at two months, and now they're nervous about being in store places and just around town in our community to being exposed. Um, the vaccines make everyone nervous. They worry about the MMR from the time that they're little, um, and we tell them you get it over the age of one, and now we're asking the kids to to come back for their second MMR a month later. Um, so for you, for having a two-year-old, they wouldn't. Um, the schedule was to do it at four, and now because of the communities that we're working in, we're asking the parents to come back a month later for the second MMR, and then it counts. Then they're done. They get their two MMR shots, and that takes care of them. And, and I find that actually now some of the parents are concerned about their own health and whether or not they're up to date on their vaccines and whether or not they can get. Uh, measles. They may not remember getting an MMR. For some um, parents who are a bit older, they may have gotten their MMRs at a time when it may not have been as effective. So now people aren't just questioning for their own kids or their grandkids or their families. They're questioning for themselves. Well, what I find is I see newborns in the hospital, and the mothers that come through, they get their titers done when they're pregnant, and they can't be vaccinated when they're pregnant. So when I make rounds in the mornings, I'm saying, you need to get vaccinated for your chicken pox, and you need to get your MMR before you leave. And they're surprised sometimes to find out that they did not have an adequate titer. We don't want them to be pregnant and contract measles. So I think also it's important to put this in perspective and look back at the pre-vaccination era. Um, so many of us haven't seen these diseases, measles, um, uh, until now. Uh, but in the pre-vaccination era, we would have millions of children each year who would get measles, or we would get hundreds of thousands who would get mumps. And they had significant complications from that. I mean, there was a small group of them that would be hospitalized. There's a small group that may even died from those infections. And these vaccines have worked so well that now we're talking about hundreds of cases or maybe a dozen cases. And so I think, you know, society today, we don't see the effects of these infections because they're no longer here. And so there's, that's why there's so much more, I think, concern for the potential side effects from the vaccinations than from the infections themselves. Now, because this is in the realm of your expertise, is it something where, you know, a year ago you saw cases or certain outbreaks or more um, infections maybe you saw at one point might be, you know, not a concern anymore, but then they were becoming more and more amped up that you could say, you know, in 2017, we saw some signs that we might be where we are today in 2019, or is it something that really just shows up and there's no explanation? I don't know if it's more travel, less people being vaccinated, but really any kind of warning signs that people might have been able to see. I, I can speak for what we see in infectious disease, but remember we see a skewed 
kind of picture of the world because we're, you know, unlike Dr. Pearden, I'm not out seeing in the general pediatric clinics, but we're seeing more and more people who have chosen not to immunize, uh, to forego vaccines for one reason or another, people getting exemptions. Uh, the other thing that I have seen, however, is that some people have become somewhat scared to come to the attention of health authorities or governmental authority, government authorities where they would normally, public health clinics, get their children free vaccines and now they may be a little bit frightened of doing that uh, and have tried to get religious exemptions or other exemptions and just gone without. So I, I think, um, you know, it's really a confluence of two things. Um, you know, when you have a community that's um, well vaccinated, uh, it's called herd immunity. So everybody, even if those who are not vaccinated, if 95% of the community is vaccinated, you're all protected. Um, I think what's emerged is that we have communities now that don't have um, the children vaccinated, choose not to have the children vaccinated. So vaccination rates are very low. You couple that with world travel. You know, we mentioned that measles is, you know, rampant in many other places of the world. And it takes one person coming back from those countries with measles to that community that sparks this outbreak. So I think it's always been a concern that low vaccination rates in the community was always a setup for emergence of some disease. No, I think it's interesting you, you touch on traveling because I think a lot of times we think about our own immediate community, but, you know, outbreaks and, you know, different kinds of infectious diseases that you can catch are abroad and it's a global, you know, situation. So I'm just curious as to the information of, you know, where the U.S. or even, you know, the United States stands as compared to maybe other areas of the world as far as conditions or different diseases like you know you said measles in Italy and those areas but I'm just curious as to travel destinations for people like what else is going on in the world that kind of puts things in perspective for where we are. The worldwide effort to eradicate polio has been very successful. Um, there's been millions and millions of dollars raised by Rotary and by Bill Melinda Gates Foundation, and they have very low vaccine rate, you know, in infection rates around the country. They count sometimes around 75 cases. So we've been very effective with that. And also, you've seen the effectiveness of those programs going out, not just vaccinating for polio, but also bringing other vaccines with them. So the Polio Plus campaign and doing all of those things have worked incredibly well, and we see the success of that. So we're not seeing polio here, but as people travel, there's a chance of that coming out. So those are third world countries, sometimes war-torn areas that the vaccines can't get to. But we have them available for us here. They're safe, they're effective, they're life-saving. We need to use what we have. Yeah, we're, we're, we're privileged to have the vaccines, to be able to administer it, to afford it. Um, but if you do go to underdeveloped countries, they will have cases of tetanus. They will have cases of diphtheria. I mean, infections that we haven't seen for a very long time. I think that's interesting you bring that up, that you know we're privileged and afforded to have these vaccinations. But I'm curious as for, you know, Dr. Pearden, when you talk to parents, whether you know, they're steadfast in their ways, whether they're for having their child vaccinated or against, or maybe they're on the fence, you know, as a professional and pediatrician, what information are you kind of 
allowed to give them um, from a, I guess, medical professional standpoint without going out of bounds to say, this is what you need to do, this is my belief versus um, we tell them that we give these vaccines every day. It's not just my small office that's doing it. It's across the country. Um, so there's lots of vaccines being given. Vaccines are reported if there's a reaction. So for the thousands and thousands of kids that get vaccines every day, we follow those reports and we know that they're safe. Um, the parents are concerned because they read places on the internet and we try to steer them to good safe places to go to. Um, they have children's hospitals in the area. Philadelphia has a great website, Seattle's Children's, um, the CDC. So those are the people that are researching the vaccines. It's not your aunt that researched it. It's these um, trusted sources. The internet's a good place to go for some information if you're going to the places that have that experience. Um, and that research behind them. So we send them to those places. Um, we give them information. On, there's vaccine statements that are given at every visit, and they can get them in anticipation of their next visit. So they may not have gotten their MMR till one, but we'll talk about it before and say when you come back, we're going to do this over the age of one and give them their first one. Now, in your opinion, is it how different is it if you're talking to maybe a new parent and they come in and they do all this research before talking to you? versus the ones that come in and they just have general questions. I, I'm interested in that dynamic by someone that kind of goes on WebMD or reads all the articles and comes to you with one thing versus the ones that come to you for all the expert knowledge that you know you studied so long to be able to get well, out. Well, some are, have done the research before the babies were delivered, so they come in for a prenatal visit, and they're concerned about the vaccines that they may not get even for 13 months from that day. So um, we try to send them to you know the appropriate websites, kind of go over things, don't worry about that just yet. I mean, we have a lot of things we have to get through in the first few months, and the vaccines will be coming. Um, there's lots of safe options. They're well studied. And um, yeah, there's, there's some parents that have read everything under the sun before the, before the right. babies were born. And part of the problem, I mean, we all use the internet and about 80% of all people use the internet for health-related topics in our country. Uh, but there, it's really hard to know what's good information. Dr. Google doesn't discriminate. And you, if you're in a chat room or on a Facebook page, you don't know that you're really talking to the person that you think. And fear sells. You know, well, I think everybody in this room would probably agree. If there was a lion, you're scared of lions. Your chance of coming in contact with a lion is very rare, it's very low, or actually being harmed by a lion. But house cats, you know, the average house cats, the risk that we have on an everyday basis, those are pretty common, even though we love them. People sometimes read, especially when it comes to dealing with their most cherished family members, their loved ones, their babies, they're a little more likely to go towards opinion if they see something that's very frightening. So I think it's our job um, and has been to educate, to start from the beginning, say these are vaccines, it's really cool how they work, we're really lucky to have them. Yes, there are side effects. These are what they are, but these are side. These are things that are not real side effects of vaccines. Vaccines can prevent cancers. Vaccines can prevent a lot of other illnesses and disabilities uh, that you may not be thinking about right now because you're focusing on the needle. But 
even the measles vaccine that we're talking about doesn't just prevent measles, it can prevent something, you know, a devastating brain disease called SSPE or subacute sclerosing panencephalitis later on. So we need to think about, you know, and help educate families. Everybody's on the same side. I mean, I, I think, I don't know if you encounter this, but sometimes people think we're on a different side. We're pro-vaccination and they don't want to do it. Everybody's on the same side of wanting to help kids and families. It's how we get there that we have to sort out. We have a better chance at preventing the effects of these infections than trying to fix what happens to them after they're infected. You want to wear a car seat in the car to prevent the injury. Having trying to put you back together after a car accident is much harder. So I said these vaccines, we, we know they're safe and giving them ahead of the infection so you don't have to go to the hospital. This is a pinch. Going to the hospital with this infection is going to be a lot worse. What Julie and Amy just described really emphasizes the need for the the mother, the father, to have these discussions with a pediatrician, you know, because you have, if you have that one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone, a trusted pediatrician, um, then you can go through all the facts and you can have, you can address some of the concerns that the parents may have. I mean, they, it's easy to tell them that it doesn't exist, but we have to understand what their concerns are. And I think when you have those one-on-one -on -one conversations and how well they explain things can really help, you know, that communication. And as uh, Julie said, we're all in the best. We're all interested for the. We are all invested in the best interest of the kids, and I think that's the end state for all of us. You know, I always tell people: think about where you get your information from. Do you want to take it from someone who's dedicated their lives to learning? who um, has learned the science and, and even the art and practice of medicine and having these discussions, who's probably gone into debt while doing it, has taken time away from their own families to take care of and provide care for families like yours, and who really wants what's best and to protect the health of you, your kids, your entire family. Or do you want to take your information from somebody who doesn't know you, who you don't know necessarily if they're speaking from experience or not, um, or taking it from social media, from somebody who doesn't really have an interest, such an interest anyway, in your health and your kid. So I think, um, sort of respect what you just said, um, but I think also we, we have to acknowledge that um, people go to different sources right. for information. Yeah. and. Um, while it may not be one that we see as one that may be trustworthy, in that person's eyes they may be trustworthy. Um, so that's where I would go back to that conversation. Um, so, you know, if it's something that's, you know, if it's some leader in your community, they may trust that leader more than sure. they trust your education. And that's when we get involved with the ministers in the area, right. the right. rabbis exactly. in the area, when there's an illness or an outbreak or someone, you know, is, is sick from something. We've had a meningitis case where a child in a particular community dies, and then those experts that relate well to the community come out, and they'll say, listen, y'all need to get your vaccines. You see this little one, you know him. Right. He passed away this week from a vaccine-preventable illness. Um, please pay attention that I'm, I'm recommending also 
you know, as your leader in this community, that it's safe for you to get. And that really has helped us a lot. But it goes back and forth. The parents kind of forget about that horrible illness or something that happened, and then it, they go back to not vaccinating again. So I think probably, you know, the one, I hate to use the word antidote, but for there being some conflicting or confusing or even wrong information on the inf internet is to make sure that there's good information and it's easy to get to and easy to find, you know, in a frame and in a way that anybody can understand it or find the answer to the questions that they have. Yeah, there, there's there's big studies out there. They ran another study to check on the safety of measles. It was run in Denmark. There were about 600,000 patients that were in the study. And um, they were, again, trying to prove, you know, and reinforce the idea of the effectiveness and the safety of the medicine. But it's not there for the general, you know, it's going to be a harder article to read. So you need that good, easy information out there for parents to get to. Well, that's the major concern is autism, right, with, associated with a vaccine. That's one of the major That's concerns. That's one of the concerns. Sure. Yeah. There, are, there are many others that have sort of been around for a very long time, but have popped up more in the era of social media and, and access. Now, I think to kind of wrap things up and get the final thoughts, you know, this is a very, you know, debated topic. It's not going to be something that this podcast resolves and everyone sees one way, but I think it's a, a good way to give information. So I'm just curious if everyone can kind of leave us with their final thoughts on what can be done so we're not sitting here a year from now having the same uh, discussed topic. I'm just curious as to everyone's thoughts for all of that. For the parents who are vaccinating, get their second MMR early. So those of us that are immunizing are as well protected as we can be. We live in a global world. We may not think about it, may only think about our zip codes and communities. It's not about that anymore. Uh, no one's more than a plane ride away from anyone else. And we need to do things to protect our health um, in general. And if you have questions about what any of those are, uh, talk to a, tr a trusted healthcare provider, whether it's immunizations or even hand washing or diet. Um, I think it's important to build trust with your doctor and have those discussions. Dr. Piwaz, Dr. Zuckerman, Dr. Pirin, thank you very much for joining me today. I think this was all really great information. So thank you again for making time to discuss this very debated topic. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having us. The material provided through this Health You podcast is intended to be used as general information only and should not replace the advice of your physician. Always consult your physician for individual care.